welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends. And what they all have in common is they all have fascinating stories of their own, which they're happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Lynn. So Lynn, if you can tell me when and where you were born, and if you can describe what it was like, where you grew up, the sort of schools you went to, and the education you received. Over to you, Lynn. Hello, thank you. Hi, I'm Lynn Hook, but I was born Lynn Davidson a long time ago in 1958 in Portsmouth and St Mary's Hospital. I was brought up around the Baffins area in Portsmouth. So it was a lovely childhood and I've got an older brother, unfortunately he has passed now, an older sister and a twin. So yes, there's two of us. Um, it was a lovely childhood. Again, we spent many, many time around at Baffins Pond. I went to Westover Infant School and Junior School where I got to say I can't really remember much about the actual time there apart from I don't like milk because we were made to drink the little bottles of milk that our teacher unfortunately thought that little children couldn't have it ice cold on their tummies and put it on the radiator to warm up all morning. (laughs) (laughs) So I do not drink milk at all, and nor does my twin. Fair enough. So where did you move on to then? The whole family moved on. My brother was in the um, Navy. He went very early. He went to Holbrook and then St Vincent. So, of course, in those days... We never saw much of him because they were two and a half, three-year stints. So when I say the whole family, obviously excluding my brother, we moved to Havant in West Lee. And I went to St Albans School, a junior school, with a beautiful uniform. I always remember it, um, white crisp blouse, uh, blue pinafore, which was pleated, red tie and a red sash. And it was very smart. And that was where my love of netball came. I did notice that you've um, you've played for Hampshire. I did, yes. Um, I got my colours, as they called it, and that literally where it started in that junior school at St Albans and haven't um, followed it right the way through until I couldn't play anymore. Got too old. <laughs> we all get to that stage. <laughs> I, I got to that stage around about fifty-four playing rugby. I had to give up then, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I went to Oak Park senior school for a very, very short time. Um, and then we moved on back to Bridgemere. Um, and that's where I spent all my rest of my school years at Bridgemere School. Um, we did CSEs in those days. Um, can't really remember. I think it was either seven or nine we had to take, which I passed all of them. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. So Bridgemere was the is the big school. It was it's one of the biggest in the country, I believe, at the time. Yes, indeed. Yes, it was massive. We had two um, great big schools on the on the field, and one of them isn't there now. That was knocked down some time ago. So um, in our day, it was a huge school. Okay, so what did you do when you left school? So you, you've got quite a few um, CSEs and GCSEs. So what was your first job? My first job, I went straight into banking. I worked for Barclays Bank down in the high street, um, and that was absolutely amazing. We had a lot of fun there. 
I know it was a very serious business, but behind the scenes, it was a good laugh. We had about 55 staff at the time that worked there on the three floors. And of course, everything was done manually. It was all done by hand, not like it is today with computers. Yeah, I think you're lucky it's about four people in the branch nowadays. <laughs> I agree with you, yes. It's been yeah really um, condensed down, as I call it. Mm. So how long were you there? I was there about 12 years until I had my first, until I had my son. Um, I then left for a short while and then went back part-time, but I went um, back to the Royal Bank of Scotland in Fareham as Barclays weren't taking on part-time staff at the time and spent several years there. Okay, so you spent quite a lot of time in banking. So what was your actual job? Were you a cashier or were you behind the scenes? Did you become a manager? I, I was actually the first cashier. That's what they call the chief cashier nowadays. Um, obviously collecting in all the money, make sure we had enough money to pay all the wages for the big companies in those days and doing all the foreign currencies and things. And obviously making sure we had enough cashiers on the actual uh, front desk. Yeah, I guess back then uh, the weekly wage was in cash and so lots of cash moving around, I guess. Yes, indeed. Yes, it was all cash in those days. Very few cheques. Um, certainly the companies were bringing the cheque, but obviously to pay all their wages out, we had to make sure we had the right denominations so they could then put them all in the little envelopes to pass out to their staff. So did you have any input on the, the actual sort of wages or it was just dishing out the, the large amounts that they required? That's right. No, they came in with a list every week of what they required and we just had to make sure we had that, you know, in, in the stock room. Excellent. So what happened, uh, where did you go after Fairham then? So if you spent a few years at Fairham, what was your next job? I actually got divorced, um, so I had to go full-time and they couldn't accommodate me, so I actually went into accountancy, um, which was a completely different world. Been stuck in an office um, with very few people. I wasn't seeing the public, and I think that's what I actually missed. Mm. Um, so I did that for several years until I went self-employed. I met my husband, my now husband, um, and we went self-employed. Okay. So it, that was accountancy as opposed to turf accountant. Yes. And, <laughs> and during that time, um, I was able to go back to college and, and do a BTEC in a business and finance. I did a two-year course and passed that with distinction, so that was nice. Hmm. So you're quite clever then. Well, no. <laughs> Common sense, I think, is the uh, logic. Yes, I think common sense puts above education myself. Yes, indeed. So you spent quite a bit of time as an accountant. So what sort of work was that involved? It was more of accountancy. So I was like more of an assistant to an accountant. So I was doing all the behind the work scenes and making sure everything tallied. They were doing all the what I call hard work and I was just really double checking. Mm. So, yeah. I wasn't an accountant, I was just an accountancy assistant. Okay, that's, that sounds like a bit boring. <laughs> just looking at numbers all day long. Indeed. So what did you do after accountancy then? Well, my husband and I um, went into shops and we opened what were the original 50p pound shops in those days. Oh, right. Um, we had several shops all over, whether it was Southampton, Portsmouth, Fairham, Gosport. And then. Gradually, over the time, people thought, oh, this is a good idea. So they all started to come in. So we diversified mm. um, just to really keep 
keep going that we went into furniture and carpets completely different completely different completely different but that worked and then in the end i had a my own card shop which was absolutely delight it was lovely and of course i was back meeting the people yes i think that's really you know what i like enjoy doing okay so i noticed that you've you're now retired and that you've gone into local politics i have so how did you become in, involved with local politics to start with my husband obviously is a politician he's been doing it for over 30 odd years and in those days it was all all inquiries were by phone by the house phone and i could talk to the people but i couldn't give them the answer i wasn't allowed to give them the answer although i might have known it so i thought well get self-elected and then you can give them the the answer they want so that's what you did so so what what was the first year that you stood i actually oh gosh uh 2010 it's 12 years mm. so yeah okay so 2010 so was it a hard-fought campaign or no, one of the um, gentlemen, I don't even know Steve Ward, he was a councillor in Pilcommon. We've got Steve Philpott, obviously a long-standing councillor here. Um, Steve Ward stepped down, so I took the into his shoes. So there was a vacancy, So, and I guess the, the local Conservatives put you forward as the candidate for the area, and, and you campaigned with Stephen? Yep, indeed. And were duly elected. I was indeed. Yes, the residents were very kind. So, so, so what was what was your first experience of going into the council chamber for the first time? It was actually very daunting, and to stand up and make your first speech or comments, whatever you you know, we're in full council, and you had to introduce yourself. But I also had something I needed to say, and you've got to remember that the protocol you have to ask the mayor, you know, indicate to the mayor to speak and then you have to thank the mayor, all the rest of the councillors, the aldermen, um, etc. And you have to get it in the right order. So it's very daunting the first time. And I've got to say, I, I believe my jacket was actually moving because my heart was beating so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it and that was it. The first one over and then it gets easier. It gets easier from there. So Indeed. So over the last 12 years then, what, um, what has been your highlight? So certainly being out and about, I say I'm a people person, I love that. And then becoming mayor back in 2016, 17, um, it was such a privilege to do it. To me, I've always said Gospel is a community, it's not a town. We've always been very fortunate with volunteers out there. Um, they're just amazing people in Gospel. And going into the schools or any, um, I don't know, business, everyone was very welcoming. Um, it was a great experience and, and such a privilege to be able to have done it. Um, how were you elected to, to stand as mayor? Again, you have to indicate you'd like to become mayor. And then it's the actual councillors that actually vote you in. Um, so it's just literally the, the 30... Well, Actually, you can vote for yourself. So 34 councillors <laughs> actually vote you into that position. And we do deputy for a year. And then you have to be voted in again to be mayor. OK, so did you vote for yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> be rude not to, I it guess. It would have done, yeah. So what was your first duty as mayor? Or, or, let's just take it back a little bit. Let's, let's look at 
um, you put yourself forward to, and, and you became dep deputy mayor for the first year. So that I guess that was 2015, was it? Yeah. So what were your duties as a deputy mayor? Deputy mayor was to actually assist the mayor. Um, it was Keith Farr at the time. And again, where you might get double booked as a mayor. If, if you can't get to both, then the deputy mayor comes in and assists and goes to that venue and to meet people, um, which is, you know, it happens all the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's great. So you're just there to pat the mayor up um, in any way you can, really. Off the back of that, I guess that you, you're learning the, 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 the train cast of going around, talking to people, but you, you've got all those skills to start with. So did that make it easier for you? It did make it easier um, because, once again, if you've got a shop in the high street and you've worked in a bank in the high street, it's amazing how many people you already know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we're saying, it's more of a community um, so it was quite easy to go in and talk to people. And what about stand up? In, uh, do you get large functions where you have to stand up in front of a, a large crowd of people? How do you feel about that? that? That, as I say, came quite easy because of the experience of being a councillor and have to stand up in meetings and to speak and address everybody. So that is just it was natural. Mm. So, so you spent a year backing up the mayor. So what was the next thing once you got elected as mayor? What was your first engagement as a mayor? Well, the first thing you have to do is hold a full council meeting. Um, so again, that's quite an easy, what I call, routine, because they're all your friends. Mm. They are. So when you're actually up there and running the meeting, um, it's quite a nice thing to do. And then my next biggest one, we, we had the... Um, freedom than with the navy with Sultan down at time and space. All oh, right, that sounds fantastic. So, so the mayor is actually the the chairman of the council. So, so you you chair all the meetings, but full council meetings. Just the full council meetings. Is is there another chairman that does the the, the day to day stuff? Yeah, we've got chairmen that sit on regulatory board, which I do at the moment. We've you've got uh, PNO, which is policy and organisation. Um, standard and governance, there's all different sections in the council, so they've all got chairman. Okay, so there's different committees that, that, that sit, and it's just a full committee that the the mayor chairs. Indeed. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so what was what was the most memorable function that you did as mayor? What was what was your highlight as, as mayor? I've got to say it was going into the schools Always enjoyed that. The children absolutely loved seeing the chain. You weren't in full um, gowns. You weren't allowed to do that. You can only wear those at civic functions. Mm. But the chain is, a, is amazing. The chain of office. Yeah. And does that pass around to, to the next mayor? Yes. So it's the same chain. Yeah. And then you have your own robes and all the rest of it. You've, you, you've actually, again, it's one set of robes that gets passed down so we've got the two set we've got the deputy mayor set and the mayor's mm. set and they get passed down throughout with the chain is it are the two chains one for the deputy one for the mayor the deputies is a lot smaller <laughs> not wanting to outshine the mayor i guess well that's it when you go to other um, towns whether you go to fairham or haven to winchester you always have to wear what you call badge which which is a lovely big badge that actually slips onto the chain mm but you actually wear it on a ribbon. 
and that's all the other mayors that visit, say, Fairham, will go in their what we call badges, mm. because, of course, the mayor of Fairham has to outshine everyone. It's the uh -huh. protocol that you have to follow. And if, if everyone comes into Gosport, we wear the big chain, and everyone wears their ribbons to come in and, and see us and visit. Oh, brilliant. Mm. So look, now, looking at... Um, Let's look at council work. Now, I've got a little bit of um, something I'd like to take up with the council. Mm -hmm. We had a friend down the other week, uh, and we wanted to park in Gosport, pop across to, to Portsmouth and come back and have a meal in, in, in Gosport Hospital. Mm -hmm. And every single car park that we went to, they got a minimum or a maximum of a two-hour stay and, and no return within an hour. So... For us, that worked out fairly impractical. So we ended up, um, actually, we ended up going to Fairham and, and spending that time there rather than in Gosport, which was a real shame. Is there anything that you can do on the council level to change the parking system in the car parks? We don't mind paying the extra, but with a two-hour limit, it, sometimes it's quite difficult to be able to, to, to spend the sort of, if, if you're spending over two hours, then you've got to go and move the car and find somewhere else to put it. Or in fear of being um, captured and fined. <laughs> Unfortunately, you miss the 24-hour car park, main car park. Big one at um, Walpole Park is a 24-hour one. Ah. We have, we have several smaller ones, like you say, for two hours of people just popping into the banks or to do their shopping. But there is a 24-hour. One at, um, That's the opposite of the police station where, where where the lake is. Yes. Ah, I didn't know that. Mm. I, I saw as we drove past, we saw the signs and, and thought that's another two-hour one. So no. we'll bear that in mind next time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got that walk down to the to the ferry and, and the, the walk into the town and, and stuff like that. So mm. well, they are doing a system. Hopefully, <laughs> but again, if you're only doing it's one-off, it wouldn't work for you. That you can park your car. Get a bus down, literally one stop down to the ferry, and get the ferry ticket, and everything is included. Oh, in that sense, it's like a park and ride. Yes, so but they call it a float. Float. <laughs> um, and of course, that's for people that obviously work in Portsmouth, yeah, area that they can use that. And I notice we've got a new. There's there's a new bus lane coming in. Right. Do you have anything to do with that? That's coming in. Yeah, we obviously. Um, looked at the plans, it's all to do with Hampshire County Council, but mm. we could actually look at the plans and uh, the consultation, and that's part of the extension of the uh, bus route. Mm. So um, it would come that little bit further into Gosport, and, and then obviously makes make people's journey slightly shorter, and they can get on the Eclipse buses, and um, yeah, it, this, it should make the journey shorter. And, and is that all going to be tying in with the new regeneration of the, the bus station? No, that's a completely different, separate thing. Um, the bus station is past its date, really. Um, and hopefully we've got people coming in to actually revamp that. That will be taken down. The buses will be moved um, where they used to be, actually, in the old days. I can remember that quite clearly down at the ferry. Oh, was that next to the uh, the council pub? Yes, yes. So, so where the taxi ranks is. Mm. So, what's going to happen with the taxi rank? Um, that, that's going to be moved slightly. I haven't seen all the plans yet. Um, I'm not. It's very difficult being the chairman of 
regulatory board and planning because you can't get too involved at the stages because when the time comes and you have to vote on it, you can't be seen to be um, biased. Yes. So I have to step back a little bit on that. But they will be diverting the buses through different ways to mm. get down to that area. And Portland Gardens will remain. Yes. So they will not which be is, touched. It's just behind, isn't it? So, yeah. Because uh, the bus station is quite a large bus station at the moment. I think it's sort of about 20 buses mm. can accommodate at once. Yeah. So is that going to go? It will be knocked down eventually, yes. Mm. And um, we're hoping to not compete with Gunwolf, but complement Gunwolf. Yes. I think, I think that's that's something that really needs to happen with, with Gospel, is that the high street needs some regeneration to be able to bring people across from, from Gunwolf Keys and, and from Portsmouth and to come across. I think that would be really good. Yeah, that's the um, the outlook. Yes, and obviously with with the museums as well, because we've got the submarine museum, and hopefully soon we'll have the 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 the, the police barracks at, at um, HMS Hornet. Um, they've been revamped at the moment. The roof's going on, so we we've we've got the money. The roof's being done, so the next part of the project is get the insides done. Um, and we're moving forward with that. Indeed, and also, of course, Pretty's Hard. Yes. It's them having a lot of work throughout doing there, and, of course, that will attract people yeah. on that side as well. And say, as is um, Clarence Yard, that's, that's been also revamped uh, quite a lot. It's already been done. And I think eventually the, the sea cadets will move out of Clarence Yard into Hornet. Which which would be really good for them. Yeah. So I know that the plans are underfoot, to, uh, and we're looking at what we're going to do with the guard room, and hopefully they're going to move into that if we can get it sorted out for them. Um, what else have we got going on in um, in Gosport at the moment? Um, there are lots. Um, obviously the museums down in the high street that's being revamped very shortly. That that will have to close, um, for a period of time, so they can actually revamp that. Um, when that, I mean, it, that's a lovely museum. I don't know whether you've ever been in there. They do some lovely exhibitions in there. I haven't. I don't, we keep meaning to. We were we were talking about it the other day, and we're going to actually pop in there at some stage before it closes. Yeah. Um, so we can see it before and then thereafter. Indeed. Yeah. Because I think it would be yeah, pretty, be interesting. Mm. And of course, then we've got the the bypass that's coming in through Stubbington. And uh, the, re, uh, the the Daedalus as well, that's been uh, the Enterprise Zone there. And hopefully with the bypass, it will attract more people or more businesses into, into gospel. Yeah, that's the plan. It's all about employment yeah. on, on that side. And if we can do that, then that will help people actually leaving gospel to get to work. Yes. Try to keep the workforce and, and all that experience in gospel i think it'll it will come i mean it's, it's certainly a fantastic place to live when I mean, we moved down here three years ago and we actually love it here it's a it's a great place to live although the high street is looking a little bit tired however um, it is you can see that the changes are coming uh, and from from a resident point of view 
and that's really good. I agree. We're very fortunate, isn't it? We've got you know we've got Stokes Bay, we've got Leon the Solent, we've got the Harbour, we've got some lovely parks, we've got everything. And I don't know whether um, you're aware. We've just picked up there's a, a gin cinema coming Ooh. to Gosford at Stokes Bay. I've already booked tickets for one night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's things like that that we can um, try, I suppose, and see how popular it is. I mean, it's the company that's coming in and running it. So hopefully it'll be successful for them. But how, how amazing that you can sit on Stokes Bay um, yeah. and watch a film. Brilliant. And, and of course, we don't want to make it too popular that it gets overcrowded. <laughs> we have to get the right balance there. <laughs> Indeed. And I guess the main thing from the council point of view is is the transport infrastructure and housing to to get all that. The balance is right and, and getting the right sort of businesses in that are going to employ the local people rather than sort of bringing people in from outside, which then creates its own problems with the, the traffic and, and all the rest of it. Indeed, and that's where we do try and do that with the planning, um, that we ask companies to employ local people when they are building um, either houses or businesses. Mm. Mm. From your point of view, your husband is the, the current ca um, mayor of Gosport, and I guess that you're obviously going out and enjoying functions. I saw that you, uh, you had the rotary dinner in at Hornet the other night. What was that like? Unfortunately, I couldn't go because I was in self-isolation. I got pinged. Oh, no. So I couldn't attend. So my daughter went on my behalf and she said it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great venue. So I'm the social secretary of the club. So uh, we have some fantastic evenings in there. I know because when I was mayor before, I, I yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a great place for us. It's a great local for local sailors. It's it's a really good spot, and uh, we we have dealings with Hasler Marina as well, and the Hasler Yacht Club come and use our our facilities. Yeah, I mean that's what we're saying, isn't it? You know, Gosport has got all these little treasures. Mm. You know, the submarine museum. My son got married there. We had the reception there. Um, oh. Fantastic. You know, the people coming down from London and all over to look for the wedding were absolutely amazing at the outlook. Um, and like I say, it's the same from Hornet, isn't it? HMS Hornet. Yeah. The, you know, looking over the, you know, the um, marinas. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, yeah. And, of course, then we've got the, the cloud that is hanging over Blockhouse, which is a, which I think the, uh, the MOD are going to miss a big, big opportunity with that. I think they, with with the two carriers that we've got, and uh, all their entourage that we've got in, in at Portsmouth, and they keep complaining that they haven't got enough accommodation. Blockhouse is ideal to be able to revamp and use as the transit accommodation for the carrier crews, and I think if they if they do sell it off, then it'll be a, a real tragedy. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've been to some functions. Um, down at the officers' mess down there, and once again looking out over the harbour, that you know it's got this lovely gem there, haven't they? Um, yeah. And they could do you know so much more with it, and like you say, to help making that into accommodation and keeping it that way would be amazing. But I'm not sure what the MOD 
when they've got their own agenda, I think. Mm. It wouldn't cost a huge amount either no. to, to revamp the place into some real quality accommodation mm. for for servicemen and, and women. And particularly if they could bring another unit in, yeah, a support unit maybe for, for the duck yard, that would be a real, real gem. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> we'll wait and see the MOD. Yes. Um, I don't know whether the council has any influence over it at all. No, not really. We can obviously, through the MP, put our views across. Yes. Um, but yeah, we're a little tiny um, uh, section, really. Um, but we will keep trying. And talking of our MP, uh, Caroline Dynage, mm-hmm. how much work do you do with her on, on a sort of a regular basis? We're in contact constantly, um, which is quite nice, um, mainly because my daughter is a, a senior parliamentary assistant. Oh, <laughs> She started when she was 16 and um, has worked her way up. Um, so, yeah, we have a quite regular, or certainly the leader would have regular meetings with Caroline mm. um, and keep her up to speed. And obviously then she would keep us up to speed. Um, from what's happening up in uh, Parliament. So she's certainly um, very, very visible uh, around Gosport. She she gets involved with a huge amount of uh, projects. Indeed, yeah. And she was down at Hornet the other day looking at the, the old police barracks with um, Artie. Yep. So she's on board with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and how, how she keeps going, I don't know. She's, <laughs> she's a very, very busy lady. Yes, yeah. I'm trying to get her for a podcast, actually. Right, okay, <laughs> I'll mention that to my daughter. <laughs> try, try and pencil it in a, into her... Um, a busy schedule. A busy schedule, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I can remember watching her dad on the television on How. And... <laughs> He's amazing anyway, isn't he? He used to yes. help out with our um, garden in, in bloom competitions. Mm. Um, and he was very, very... Very clever, and everyone loved him. Yeah. So, what's uh, your plan for the future? Well, now I've retired, I've, I'm actually volunteering um, as well. I used to volunteer at a local infant school um, with seven-year-olds that are slightly behind with their reading, and just needed to be encouraged to pick up a book. And when it clicks, the light bulb comes on. That's all I can say. And and mm. then they just fly and it's the most amazing thing to see with these young people because reading is everything yes you know if you can't read then um you know i don't know how you get through life and i know people do um there's 17 of us that volunteer at school so it shows you um how many children need that just that little bit of push i suppose How, how many children are in a school um, it's not a very big school, actually. It's Alf, Alf and Infants I'm going to help with. Um, um, yeah, there's three classes in each year. So there's three years of maybe 30 in a class, maybe slightly smaller. Um, but, of course, with COVID, fortunately, we haven't been able to get in. Oh, um, this, this, this COVID has yeah. been terrible, absolutely terrible mm. for kids' education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know children, and my grandchildren, uh, have, have had problems. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. with I think it's 
it's okay to sort of do the um, the Zoom classes and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but they miss so much more of of the social interaction, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the bit that they're going to really struggle with in the in the years to come. I think so, and you know I do feel sorry for the young people. Um, they've had to go through this, and I think they've actually coped remarkably well, as you're saying, Zoom meetings or one to ones with their teachers. But it's difficult, you know, across all the ages. Uh, and and, a, and a bit really, um, it, it was it's unnecessary for them as well, because they they're not vulnerable to the disease or the, the virus. Ooh. Not not as much. I don't know. In um and infants, that was a, probably a couple of months ago, not quite that long ago, um, one of the little boys did get COVID. Immediately, the year two bubble was closed down, and five children in that class got COVID, including my small grandson. Uh, luckily, they were ill, but not seriously ill. But what was strange, that none of the siblings mums, dads, aunties, uncles, grandparents, got it. Mm. Now, whether that was because we are double jabbed or and the parents are first jabbed, possibly that helped. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's funny... A, it's a funny old virus, it? is it? indeed. Um, and from that, I, I do volunteer, because I can't get into the school at the moment, I volunteer at the vaccination centre. Mm. Um, I do much as I can down there at the moment to try and get people jabbed, but I'm not a person that does the injection, so you can all relax. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been double jabbed. And what um, what are your thoughts on the passport? I personally, personally, I've been double jabbed. I think I had COVID last year before it got really popular, and I think that it's one step too far to expect me to show that I've been jabbed to go into a pub or into a restaurant or to go into a shop. I think having a, a COVID passport is one step beyond. Well, right, it's a strange thing because we do, we're opposite there. Um, I think it's helpful to have that, um, mainly for the young people as well, so they can go about their business. You know, we have a driving licence, we have passports. And I don't see having that extra bit of paper is a lot different. That's my personal opinion. Mm. Well, you don't have to show that you've had a flu jab to go anywhere over the winter. So why do you have to show that you've had a COVID in, uh, vaccine? Oh, well, I don't know. But my <laughs> letter's on its way. It's in the post coming to me. I've ordered mine. Yeah, I just think it's one, one step beyond one more control that the, the government's enforcing on us. It might only be for a few years. We don't know. Mm. It, I think once once they start, they'll just keep pushing until, they, <laughs> until somebody pushes back. I'll wait and see. <laughs> yes. So on the history side of Gosport, what do you see Gosport being able to give? Gosport has got a, a, a great history over the years. And uh, when I spoke to to Stephen, he he had sort of thirty odd years of uh, of being in local government and and seeing all the changes that have happened in in and around Gosport. And 
and what he's been able to bring to the to that aspect. What do you see you bringing to to the to Gosport on the history front? On the history front, you know, I suppose it's not really history, but it could be in years to come. I've always wanted a bandstand in Gosport. I think that would be amazing. Um, somewhere in town. Um, I know we have time space, which actually mm. is an open air facility, but it isn't used enough. Mm. And I think a band stand somewhere, whether that be you know, in one of the parks or at Walpole Park. Um, people have suggested maybe at the, at the bay, um, so they'd have that wonderful view. I don't know, but it, that would then be in years to come. That would be something great. I, th- I think. I think down at, maybe down at Stokes Bay, mm. um, and and have bands playing during the summer, particularly on something like Cow's Week. Yeah. So we haven't got the, the the weather this week when when you've got lots of boats out sailing, mm. and you've got a band playing and, and people mm. join the the walk along the, the yeah. front there, yeah. and people enjoying having barbecues because they've got that little barbecue yeah. area yeah, now. That's right. Yeah, they've got the yeah your barbecue. Pits, as I call mm. them, the actual thing. But yeah, that's the I would love some, something like that. I mean, we are, like I say, we've got so much history already. You know, we've mm. got a submarine museum, we've got, you know, the explosion, uh, we've got the forts. Hopefully, they can get those back up and open. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we're so rich with history. There's something maybe slightly different. Yes. And, and something for everyone to enjoy. Because so, you can have all sorts of bands. It doesn't have to be a brass band. No, it, right. it, it can be. They just had the little festival mm. in the in the park yeah. opposite um, yeah. Morrison's, yeah. where they had the the bands playing over the weekend. Yeah. So you could something like that. Yeah, that that would be fantastic. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and and I think most people enjoy music. It, it, cheers, yeah. it cheers them up. It, it, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it brings a smile to their face. Yeah. So there you go. That could be. Something a little project that you could bring to the fore and and bring to fruition. Yes, I'll give it a go. <laughs> well, you get my vote. Lovely, thank you. <laughs> well, Lynn, it's been fascinating to talk to you, but thank you very much, and I wish you absolutely really well in the future as a councillor. Lovely, thank you. Yes, we've got all out elections in May because of the boundary changes. Um, so all the councillors up for the election so everyone will have two votes um in may this year but it will all be explained nearer the time okay and does, does, does that mean that um we'll have less councillors so so they, they, they move the boundaries around a bit only slightly but they are um there would be less councillors um and we'll wait and see how that goes so fingers crossed so how many would it reduce the 34 down to? 28, I think it is. So six people are going um, to lose their jobs? Some of them will. Some of them naturally retire. Mm. Um, my husband's stepping down after 30-plus years. Um, he's just going to take a, um, a step back. Yes. He's given a lot to the, you know, the, the um, residents in that way, and this has decided to take a backward step. But um, I've decided to put my name back in the hat. So well, well, fingers crossed. You'll get my vote. Lovely. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. So, thank you once again. No, it's been you know, lovely to be here. Thank you. That was my absolute pleasure.
Thank you for coming. And thank you for listening.